Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad with it. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday. I'm Pastor Winfrey Burns. As you know, we have been on a journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. We have been examining Paul's letter letter to the Corinthians, and we have been trying to understand not only what he was saying to, to them, but what God is saying to us today. And so today as we, um, as we continue our series, uh, picking up from last week, we, we were discussing what spirituality really looks like. We went through order in the church, order within the, um, within the household of faith and, and how we should proceed in worship with the, with the speaking of tongue, in tongues as well as in uh, preaching and how everything is to be done decent and in order. That's what we covered last week. Uh, this week we come to a central question, and this question is central to our faith, it, and it was central to their faith also, because somebody was saying that they had realized their spirituality in such a way that all they were waiting for is to die, because they were where they were going to be. Um, let me I, I explain that a little bit bad. Let me let me see if I can clean it up. They had realized um, the resurrection, that there was no need for them to go to resurrection because they were all that they were going to be, and this body would just decay, and they were already living the life. I'm trying not to use this big word, uh, and the big word is realized eschatologically. Okay, that's what it is. And so because they had already arrived, that's a better way to say it, they had already arrived, okay, uh, and so there was no such thing as a resurrection. That's what we'll deal with in Chapter 15. But before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We come to bless you. We come to praise you. We come to give you the glory. Already you can see we're going to need you tonight. We're going to need you tonight. So we ask that you would lead us and guide us, that you would be our teacher, that you would speak to our inner man so that we can really hear and really understand what your word is saying to us now. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a long series. And I'll tell you, it's been worthwhile because if you've been following along, you have had a lot of questions answered for you that perhaps, you know, you assumed that you knew, but through study now you do know, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, things, the spiritual gifts. I've seen, spirit, I've seen spiritual gifts introduced in churches before, and it just literally just tears the church up 
church is never the same. And so and I, I believe that's because we don't take the time to really study. So we're taking the time to really study so we can really understand what's being said. So here's what I need you to do right now. I need you to open your Bibles to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's go right at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Give me a second to hear it. And I'll start reading at verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they. So we preach, and so you believe. Now, you might wonder. So now, he just comes back and says things should be done decent and in order, and as he ends up in chapter 14, but then he starts out, and he gives us a rehash of the gospel that he preaches to them. And he asks them a question. He says, that's how you're saved unless you believe, and that's what you believe unless you believe in vain. Now, why is he switching from spiritual gifts to the gospel? Because it seems like that's a, a weird shift. Well, what's happening here is Paul is getting ready to, he's, getting, he's setting up the next phase of his argument because now another question has been posed. And so he lays the foundation for his argument right here. And, it, and the foundation of his argument is the foundation of our faith. So many times, we, 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 we forget what we believe in and why we are on the journey that we are on and how we got here. But Paul wants them to step out of their um, unrealized spirituality, and he wants to ground them in the faith of God. And he wants to remind them, look, what you believe is what we preach. We came to you, and we preached Jesus 
who died for our sins, who was buried, and on the third day he rose again. That's what you believe. You believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin. That is the foundation of our faith. That is where everything started at. And so he takes them back to their very beginning. He then goes on to reestablish the fact that this was not done in a corner. But instead, we have eyewitness proof to his resurrection. He says, and I'm an eyewitness because he appeared to me also. And the reason why I'm here is because he appointed me to bring this gospel to you. That's what he establishes in, the, in those passages. Now, we'll get to the question when we get to verse 12. Watch this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed, I'm reading that verse 12 now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? There's the key to the, that, that he's going to argue against. That's the question that he'll now spend his time proving and examining them and examining their faith. Because if you don't believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, if you don't believe that he was buried and that he was rose on the third day, then our conversation is over. Because everything that we preach is based upon this fact. Everything. And if you don't believe that, then you can stop going to church every Sunday. You can stop tithing. You can stop trying to be good and, and trying to do this and trying to just stop it all because you are living in vain. As a matter of fact, you're not living. You are still dead in your sins. And that's, that, that's a harsh word, but it's a true word. And so what he's going back to is the fundamentals of their faith. He's not talking about speaking in tongues now. He's not talking about you know, any of the spiritual gifts. He's not talking about if you're a preacher or a teacher or what part of the body you're in. He's talk, he, he says, look, let's go back and let's settle something. And not only does, and then he says, so if you believe that Jesus died and rose on the third day, then how is it that you say there is no resurrection? That's, that's what he's going to argue now. So verse, so now we're going to say, uh, on verse 13, let me read 12 again so we have some time to do it. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished.
only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now, his argument is based on a series of if-then statements. Watch this. Let's go back to it. He says, if there is no resurrection, then not even Christ was raised. That's the first one. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Basically, uh, and that word vain means our preaching is empty. Our preaching should have no impact. Our preaching does not have power because everything depends upon God raising Christ from the dead. Okay? We are even found to be misrepresenting God. So then he says, and not only is our preaching in vain, but we don't rely on God. Because if God didn't do it, then, and we testified about it, we are false witnesses. You see what he's saying here? So, again, if the statement, and if it is true that the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. Your faith does comes to not. Your faith does not mean anything because your faith is based on a lie. All of this is wrapped up in those if-then statements. And then he finishes them off with a beautiful line. He says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So this so-called realized spirituality that you proclaim to have is not true either. And then he says, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have no hope because they, they perish. They're gone. They won't be coming back this way if there's no resurrection. There's no hope for you to see them in the by and by. All of this, I'm going to see my mother, I'm going to see my father in heaven and all of that stuff. No, all of that is futile. If, in fact, Christ has not been raised from the dead. And so he, he establishes it, then he finishes it off. He says, if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied, meaning that we are worthless, we are without, we have been, there's no reason for us to be here. There's no reason for us to continue doing what we're doing because it is founded on a lie. Let me stop before I go back now and ask you a question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you live like you live? Why do you worship like you worship? Why do you join me Wednesday night after Wednesday night studying this word? If Christ has not risen from the dead, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you don't believe that he not only died for our sins, but God raised him up from the dead on the third day, then what are you doing this for? Uh, is church just a social group to you? Is this just a way of life that was handed down that, 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 that means and you're just going through the motions? He's challenging our faith tonight. 
And he's reminding us not only of what he did, but he stimulates us in such a way that we look forward to what he's going to do, his promises. And, I, you know, it's important that we stop for just a second, and I'm not big in the point of anything, but it's important that we stop and realize something, that our faith is not just for the now, it's for the forever. It is based upon God's promise to us that we would have eternal life. It is based upon his promise that he was coming back again for us. That's our hope. That's what we believe in. That's why we work the way we work. That's why we preach this gospel that we preach, because we believe that Jesus is coming back to finish what he started. Now, let's continue on with this proof. proof. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. You see how he says that? In fact, for real, I saw it. Not just me, but others saw him raised from the dead. And now he gets into an illustration that I think is so rich. Let me see what my time is like. Okay. Ooh. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Now, he gets into an illustration that we missed. And I want to take the time to just show you what he's saying here. Verse 21. Well, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For if by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to destroy, to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is, he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Now, there's a word that keeps popping up, and that word is first fruits. And what Paul is doing is he's bringing to a, 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 to a conclusion or showing that Christ is the fulfillment of the festival of first fruits. So what's the festival of first fruits and how does Christ fulfill them? The festival of first fruits is found in Leviticus chapter 28. Turn over there real quickly. I just want to read what it, what it is, okay? Leviticus 
okay? And then we'll go from there. Leviticus chapter 28. Jesus is the proof that God will keep his promise to us 
And that is really what the, uh, the, the, the festival of first fruits was a shadow of what was actually happening. Do you get that? Do you see what I'm saying there? That Jesus is the proof that God will resurrect us from the dead. That when we die, our bones are some calcify in some grave, and, and that's it for us. That's why later on it says we don't sorrow like other people sorrow. For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with a shout, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And we which remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. That's the harvest that he's talking about. That's what we look forward to. That's why we live like we live. That's where our faith is deposited. deposited. That's why we do what we do, because we know that there is a resurrection. And we want to be caught up to meet him in the air. Let's keep going. He said, uh, that, that, that's the first fruits. That's the first fruits. Let me get back to it. I didn't got so excited about that. I'm, I'm, I get to thinking about, whoo, I'm a fly, and, it, and I, don't, I don't need a plane to fly on that one. So he establishes that in chapter 15, and then he keeps going, and he says, he says, because what's going on now is this. What's happening is Jesus is in the process of not only calling us to, uh, as believers to live for him, but he's in the process of uh, taking over everything. His kingdom is going to advance to such a state where he is going to rule over all. He is Lord over all, and he is going to, there is a spiritual warfare going on right now. And not only is there spiritual warfare going on right now, but the kingdom is advancing uh, because there is war in the heavenlies and there is war where you are right now and the warfare that is going on is over you. The warfare that is going on is over me because Satan wants us to not believe, to get confused in our faith, to walk away from Christ, to become spiritual misfits to get caught up in um, to, to, to misunderstand the gifts and begin to worship the gifts rather than the giver, to be separated from one another. And what does Jesus say? The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so what's happening now is there is a war for the very souls of mankind. But here's the end. Paul says, but Jesus is going to win. Because what does he say? But in each his own order, Christ, the first fruits, then that is his coming, those who belong to Christ, that's what he's talking about us, then comes the end. So now after God calls us out, then comes the end. And what did he say yet? He says, when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority, he's going to, look, this is, a, this is shouting material right now, because some of us right now are under stress and strain. Some of us are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Some of us are 
even, as they say, taking a standing eight count because the devil had hit us so hard. But I got news for you that in the end, Christ will win. We are on the winning team. It's because Paul reminds us that he's going to deliver the kingdom to God, that the Father, after what? Destroying every rule, every authority, and every power. Everything that ever bothered you, he's going to put it under his feet. Everything that ever defeated you, he's going to put it under his feet. Everything that ever, ever, ever came up against you, under his feet. Every one of those things. Satan is a defeated foe. He knows it, and that's why he clowning you so bad. But in the end, Paul says that, oh, at the resurrection, we will get a chance to see that Jesus is Lord over all because he's going to deliver the kingdom to God himself. And he's going to put everything, everything, he's going to make everything subject to him. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. They might want to deny it right now. Satan might want to walk around like a big shot right now and lie to you and say, I got this, I can do this, I can do that, I can do the other. But I came to tell you tonight that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. I got to stop here. I got to stop here. I hope you're encouraged by this. I hope you have been encouraged. About it. I hope you've been reminded, I hope you've really been reminded that there is a resurrection, that this ain't it for us, that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, will raise us up also. The Corinthians needed to be reminded of that because somebody had poisoned them and said, no, this is it right here. Every, we are spiritual enough. We have the language of the angels. We're speaking in tongues now. And so we've realized our spirituality. And Paul is saying, not so. No, not so. Next week, he's going to go on in chapter 15, and he's going to show, he's going to show them something about that, this body that they're in. Now, before I pray, I'm going to ask you tonight to put your questions up. If, uh, on the screen, and after we pray, then I'm going to um, answer any questions that you have. If you're uh, out there on Blog, on Blog Talk Radio, the number is 929-477-2304. Let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We have our bodies. In fact, some of our bodies are in various states of decay. Some of us are suffering with diseases in our bodies. Some of us are plagued by demonic attacks. And still others are suffering with depression and they're wondering, is this it? God, you let us know no, this ain't it. This is just the beginning. I'm just getting you ready for a ride like you've never seen before. 
you remind us that you're coming again. Sometimes we forget about that because we've waited for so long and we've heard about it for so long and we're fighting so hard and we're believing so hard and sometimes we even question. But God, you just remind us today that you're coming again, that you were the beginning of the harvest, that you were stood up and waved you were lifted up, and you said that if I be lifted up from the earth, that you would draw me into you. And so we've been drawn to you, and we thank God that you have that you are our first fruits offering, and that you are our hope, and that you remind us that God did it for you, that He'll do it for us. We bless you, O oh God. We thank you, O. Oh our hope is in you. There was one day, Lord, when, when Jesus was on the sea with the disciples, and they were in a storm, and he asked them, where's your faith? And then he asked them again, he says, when I return again, will I find faith on the earth? Lord, our prayer tonight is that when you return, you would find us faithfully watching and waiting for you, knowing that you are no shorter than your word and that you do exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or imagine. We await the day when we will be caught up to meet you in the air. We thank you for this. We're not pitiful, and we don't need to be pitied because our hope is in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, are there any questions? Okay, so we'll finish chapter uh, 15 next week. We're moving right along. We take our we're taking our time, uh, but these are important important things that reinforce our faith. You know, sometimes we get a shaky because we look and we see all the things that are going on around us and. We're like, God, where you at in this whole thing? This don't look good. Are you going to do something? And then we get to these passages, and we see what God is really doing. So with nothing else to say, uh, we're going to call it a night. Thank you for being with us tonight. Keep us lifted up in prayer as we go through these last chapters. These are kind of rough chapters because they deal a lot in, in doctrine, and we don't, we don't do a lot of doctrine in the church in through now because we're so busy. Um, well, let me just go and see it happen. We're so busy uh, trying to get stuff that we don't get what really is going to last. We're trying to get material things when we really should be building up our spirit, man. And that's why so many are wandering away from the church today is that you know, church is a uh, it's designed to build us up spiritually, and we've turned it into a place where um, we come to hope about our finances. And Jesus told us that don't labor for the things that's going to rot and rust and the moths are going to eat, but labor for the things that will last. And so what, what we're doing right now is we're laboring for what will last, for spiritual fruit, to build up your spirit, man. Amen. So we bless you, 
and thank you for being with us. See you next week. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, and you have been live with the Word.